go ahead and turn, if you want to, in your Bibles. It'll be two different places. Uh, so maybe if you have two Bibles, you can turn to one of each, but they'll also be on the screens. Uh, today we're looking at both the shepherds and the wise men. And so we'll be in Luke 2, 8 through 20, as well as Matthew 2, 1 through 12. And, and so we're going to be looking at both of these. We're going to read both of these passages. And, and because of that, we're going to go ahead and, and get started as we continue this series uh, going through the different characters of Christmas, the people involved in the Christmas story, but also what about them we can learn from? What about the way they interacted, the, the role they played? Can we learn from how we ought to follow God uh, as people who are seeking uh, to be faithful to God? And, and so let's start in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20, followed by Matthew 2, 1 through 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen them, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And Matthew chapter 2, starting verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all of the chief, people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the, the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route." Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for this day you've given us. We thank you for your word and 
uh, this account, the, these accounts we can read of, of the birth of Jesus and those who come to see him. Father, I pray that you'll be with us, that you'll help us to look at your word, you'll help us to see what truth we can gather from it, Lord, that you'll help us to seek after your truth, that you will work in our hearts, you will convict us, you will show us what you're calling us to do, and Lord, I pray that you will help us to be faithful and obedient to you. I pray that you'll be with us now, in Jesus' name, amen. So as we start to look at this passage, as we begin to look at it, I want to spend a moment and look at some of these initial things about this passage. You've heard these stories. We sang songs about parts of these stories today. The shepherds lay in their fields, keeping their sheep. And so what do we know about the shepherds to start with? Well, we don't really know the number. We don't know how many shepherds were there. You've seen many nativities. And the shepherds are the one you do see a varying number. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's two, sometimes it's... We don't really know how many shepherds there were, but there were more than one. Uh, that, that were involved. One misconception, because there are some misconceptions that happen around Christmas stories. When I say misconception, I mean things that get included in the story that are not included in the Bible. Uh, and they become a tradition-based thing rather than a Bible-based thing. And the idea of these things is not in and of itself wrong to consider, well, what if this was true? What if this were to be the way things are? It's not a wrong thing to do, but it becomes wrong if we transmit that as the truth in the same way we transmit scripture. So one misconception, one thing I've heard about these shepherds is that these were the shepherds that kept the sheep that were used for the guilt offering of the people. And, and you would see the rhyme of scripture in this way if it were to be said in scripture to be this way, uh, that the people who keep the lambs that were spotless given to be the sacrifice for the people's sins are the ones that are told about the one that came to be the perfect lamb for the sacrifice of their sins. But scripture doesn't say that, but it's an interesting thing to consider. The angel appears to them, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Seems like that's the common reaction in scripture when the angel of the Lord appears and the glory of the Lord shines upon people. They are terrified and very aware of their sin. Um, but he tells them not to be afraid that it's been revealed to them that the Savior has been born, the Messiah, baby wrapped in, clo in cloths, lying in a manger. And a great company of the heavenly host appeared, praising God. And so they go to see about it. They tell others about what they've seen and heard. And they glorify and praise God because what they had been told was true. Now on the other side, we see wise men. We see the wise men. And they definitely have some more misconceptions that are surrounding them. Um, when we think about how many wise men there were, how do we always think there are three? Typically, we think of three, the, you know, we three kings. The Bible does not in any part say how many wise men there were, but we do see three gifts. And so most often, we, we associate there being three gifts with being three wise men. But there were more than one, but there could have been a whole host of wise men. Um, who are the wise men? But before that, another misconception. We don't necessarily know that they were at the birth of Jesus. They are included in the nativity, often as we think about the Christmas story, because they are, about, uh, are part of the Christmas story. Um, but there's nothing in Scripture that says for sure that they were at the birth or were, were there anywhere close to really when the wise men were there. It simply says that they came after his birth and before the exile into Egypt. And according to the orders to kill all of the boys in Bethlehem that Herod later makes, we can understand they saw his star two years prior to their coming. Because that's the order that Herod gives is to kill all of the boys in Bethlehem and around Bethlehem that are two years and younger. And so was his star, the star they saw, did that happen prior to his birth so they would make it there in time? Possibly. 
Did, did it happen at his birth and so they came following his birth? Possibly. The Bible doesn't go into that detail. And it doesn't really matter for, for our ability to understand their role in the story. But they're wise men from the east who came to Jerusalem to find the one born king of the Jews. Well, who are these wise men? If you think about the book of Daniel, there are often places where it talks about the, the wise men or the magicians or sorcerers. All these people that are listed in the book of Daniel are the overseers, the, uh, the people who are leading, teaching, the, the people they would consult. And one of the people listed in one particular passage in Daniel are the, some different versions translated differently. The Chaldeans, astronomer, astrologers, the people who looked at the stars. So it's quite possible these were men from that area. And they're from the east. Persian, the Persian government would have been after wise men from the east, people who are of high rank, looking and paying attention to what's happening, who would have known of Daniel and known of the people. And so they're coming to find the one born, the king of the Jews. And Herod calls them in. So this shows their status. It shows their respectability because he wants an audience with them. These are not random people coming talking about the king of the Jews. These are people that when they talk about it, Herod is concerned and all of Jerusalem with him. It's follow, they follow the same star they see, they saw initially until it stops where Jesus was. They saw Jesus with his mother Mary and they bowed and worshiped him. They opened their treasures, presenting him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they went to their country by another route because of a dream in which they had been warned. So why do we go into this detail? I want us to make sure we fully know the story. What's happening, what's going on, but what can we learn from this? Because these two people parallel, these two groups of people parallel each other, but show opposite ends of parts of the gospel story as, as we're gonna go through this. The first thing they both did is they, they seek out the truth. They seek out the truth. The truth is proclaimed to the shepherds. They are in their fields, they are watching their flocks, and all of a sudden this angel appears to them and tells them the truth of the Messiah that has been born, the savior of the people. And so what do they do? What is their response to this interaction? Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. When they hear about this truth, and they have this in, intense experience with the angel of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, Let's go see what we've been told about. They are seeking out what they have been told about. Now, the Magi are a little bit different of a situation. Now, because of the area they're in, uh, some people would consider that they, have, they may have been Semitic people as well, which are what the Jewish people are, descendants of Shem. And so they may have been relatives to the Jewish people, though not likely Hebrew. But so this would maybe be a part of why they would know about what's going on, the king of the Jews. But they come, they're paying attention to what's going on. They're looking for truth. They're looking for something. Again, when you look in the book of Daniel and you see the role of the people that play a similar position, whether they're from the same place or not, what was their role? To look for and to guide and to offer guidance into truth. Now, these wise men seem to generally, genuinely be wise men. They see this star and they say to each other, let's go and see the one born, the king of the Jews. Now this star, what is the deal with this star that they see? The Bible doesn't really give us a specific answer. There's not a passage in the Old Testament that says, 
And I will appoint my star and people from far off will see it and know that the king of the Jews has come. There's no prophecy in the Bible pertaining to this star that they see. So we don't really know, but we do know that there's a star they see that does bring them. We know that Jesus is born. They do see Jesus. Something is lining up with them seeing something, knowing what it means and going to see it. And when they pay attention to what's going on, they seek out the truth. They see something that indicates it and they follow through with it. Again, this is something that is speculation. It's something that is an idea I encountered. I'm not telling you this is the truth about the star, but I wanna share with you something that I encountered as I was preparing for this. One, one idea that people have presented is that perhaps this star that was seen was the glory of the Lord as it appeared to the shepherds. And as they're observing and they're looking, they can see and they, they notice, they are aware of the glory of the Lord. Because the word for star in both Hebrew and Greek has a, a dual meaning of, of a shimmering, of a, a glowing, of a radiance. And Jesus himself is called the bright morning star in Revelation. He calls himself that. And when it says they saw his star, it doesn't indicate necessarily that the star remains until the time they arrive there. And so that's why this, it could have appeared and they see it and they go and they travel. And perhaps as they get closer, the glory of the Lord guides them to where, the, where baby Jesus or, or young child Jesus in this case would be. Or perhaps it was some other means of God showing these men. Either way, when they realize that God is doing something, when they realize that God is moving in this place, they seek out the truth. So what can we learn from these two groups? We need to be looking for God's truth. We need to be looking for God's truth. When we talked about this, the series we went through on revival is those who will seek God's face. Those who seek God, find him. When we look for God, he is not far off. One of the problems that we encounter in our lives when we seem to feel far from God is that we have not been seeking after God. If we are seeking after God and we're seeking after his truth, it, it, it will be found. He will not hide himself from us. So we need to be looking for God's truth, paying attention to the things that go on around us, paying attention to the signs that we see, paying attention to what scripture says and how those things relate to what's going on in our life. The shepherds get a very clear sign. Angels telling them directly what they are to do. The, the wise men don't. They see a star. They are able to use the information they have to understand what's going on. We don't know what their information is. We don't know why they knew what was going on, but they did because they paid attention. They looked at the signs and they followed through. They sought out God's truth. But in this, we need to listen and discern. We have to be able to listen to what's going on and discern between what is valuable and what is not valuable. In this life, there will be many people who will tell you things, present you things as though they are truth, when indeed they are not. Satan is uh, called the great deceiver, and we see this from the very beginning in the garden. What is his role in his interaction with Eve? It is to deceive her, to take God's truth and twist it into a way where she will disobey, to follow her desires rather than God's intentions for her. So we have to be discerning. Not all that you hear is valuable, even if it pertains and seeks and claims to be the truth of God. This week, I had a, a very uh, interesting encounter. There was a, an individual that I um, encountered that wanted to, to talk about some things relating to God, and so I, I sat with them and, and spoke to them for a little while, and 
it, the conversation ultimately went to the point where they really didn't allow me to respond or talk to them about anything, but everything uh, was concerning me being deceived in their eyes. That God is all love, there's no truth, everyone's truth is real. It was a very incoherent rambling of things that are not in line with God's word. They're not in line with the truth of who God is. But there are people every day believing things that are claiming to be God, that are claiming to be in line with God's teaching. I have seen more and more deceptive false teaching appearing on pla in places like the internet, appearing in places than I've ever seen before. And people are believing these things, believing lies rather than the truth. So we have to be vigilant, or, or vigilant about what it is that we are listening to and seeking after. Is it God's truth? But when it is, when we hear credible word, when we hear a credible word of God's movement, of something God's doing, of God's truth in a situation, we need to go and see what we're hearing about. We need to go and see for ourselves what it is that God is or may be doing. Because the, the Magi could have just been there, wow, do you see that? That kind of looks like the star that whatever it is they knew that maybe signifies the coming of the king of the Jews. Isn't that neat? Okay, on with our lives. And they never go see Jesus. They never go see the Savior. The, the, the shepherds in the same way could have been standing or laying in their fields, woken up by this angel. Wow, the king of the Jews has been born. That's pretty cool. All right, let's make sure we don't have any sheep wander off. Let's just stay here. How many times can we be told the truth, told about what God's doing, told about what he wants to do in our lives, through our lives? It's like, man, that does sound good. It, it would be awesome if God would work in my life. It would be awesome if God would use me in this way. It would be awesome if I could find a way to share the truth of God with others. But I don't think I'm gonna go do that. I think I got some things going on that I'm not gonna go be uncomfortable. We have to go and see about what we are encountering and when we do, we test and discern even that. When the shepherds get there, they see that it was as they were told. You ever been somewhere, you ever been recommended a place to eat and you go there and it's not nearly as good as they told you it was? You ever taken a recommendation and it doesn't live up to what you were given? We have to test and see. We have to test and discern. The, the Apostle Paul commends people in his letters for testing and discerning against the scriptures the things that he teaches them. I hope that when I preach to you, I hope that when you're in Sunday school, I hope that when you watch any sermons, anytime you encounter biblical teaching, I hope that you hold that teaching against scripture to make sure that what you're hearing lines up with what God has said. So we have to seek out his truth. Seek it out, go after it, try to know what it is. But it's not just about hearing it, encountering it, it's about responding to the truth. Because if you have heard about it, you've went to see what it was, and you've discerned, and it seems to be true, you have to respond to the truth. The shepherds checked these things out. They found it to be so, and so they glorified and praised God because of it. They glorified and praised God because what they had heard was real. There's a response in their lives to what's going on. We see the wise men that they come because of this star and they go and they bring these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, very costly things, gifts fit for a king. And they give them to Jesus. And what the Bible says is that they worship Jesus because he's worthy of worship. He's worthy 
of sacrifice. He's worthy of our everything. They encounter the one born king of the Jews. And again, remembering, if, if these are the ones who have encountered God's truth and partially know about Daniel, they would know about the son of man and the role of the son of man. And they would know that he's so much more than just an earthly king. Encountering the truth changes things. When they've heard about the truth and they encounter the truth, it changes things. There is a crossroads that you come to. Are you going to respond to the truth or are you not going to? You see, the reality is, is that we always respond to things that are presented to us, even if we don't necessarily think that we do. We respond in the affirmative or the negative. If you get a a wedding invitation and you forget to send, if if you forget about it, you don't send the RSVP back, you, you, you don't put it on your calendar, you forgot about the wedding. You responded to that invitation. You responded, no, because you didn't go. And even if you didn't send the RSVP back and you go, you still responded to the invitation because you went. You are always responding to every invitation. You're always responding to any piece of truth that is put in front of you. I've shared the, the illustration before. We were in Sunday school with the youth one day and I was trying to get a similar point to this across and I said, if I told you that in two minutes this building was gonna blow up and you believed me, what would you do? I said, well, we would leave the building. We would run away from here and right as I said that, my, my watch heard said, okay, setting a timer for two minutes and it was a little bit of a scary moment but I was like, I promise that's not gonna happen. But if someone tells you something and you don't believe them, you keep going. It's the story of the bridge being out ahead of people. And someone stopping and say, hey, the bridge is out, you should go the other way. It's the road sign saying, road closed, bridge out. Someone goes around that, what's gonna happen to that person if they just refuse to stop? It was, it was a similar situation, a comical situation of sorts. Uh, in, a, in a show that I liked where um, the main character is getting GPS directions and it says, turn right. And they're like, there's no road there. And he drives straight into a pond. He's kind of not the smartest guy. Straight into a pond. Why? He believed what the GPS was saying. That was where he's supposed to go. He responded to it. He did not respond to his, co- his co-pilot saying, do not turn. The wise men responded. The shepherds responded. The most important thing we can do is respond to the truth. The truth that we have to encounter is who Jesus is. That's what we talked about in our our welcome time, that God's love is demonstrated for us in this baby, in Jesus, that God is love. This is love, not that God, not that we loved God, but that he first loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That Jesus is the Lamb of God who was sinless, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, lived the life we could not and paid the price, took the punishment that we deserved. Why? Why would he do that? Because God loves us. Rather than giving us the punishment we deserve, he has mercy on us. But not only does he have mercy on us, he has grace and gives us in Christ life, eternal life, life with him. He adopts us as sons and daughters through the work of Christ, through believing in what Christ 
has done. And so the reality is that any person that hears the gospel is presented with a claim of truth. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus lived the life that you cannot. Jesus paid the price that you deserved to pay and the debt and paid the debt that you could not so that in him you might have life and forgiveness of sins. That is a claim of truth. It is either true or it is not. And if it is true, if you look and you examine the Bible, if you look and you examine your heart, you examine all of the things that go around this, the historical parts of it, whatever it is that would make a person doubt the truth of this claim. If someone considers it, they look at it, they seek it out, and they decide, yeah, I think Jesus probably did live. I think Jesus probably did claim to be the son of God, and I, I believe that the resurrection happened. I believe he died on the cross and was resurrected. If you believe that's true, the only response we can have is to fall on our knees in submission and worship, to acknowledge our sin, to believe in Jesus as the son of God, as our savior, and confess him as our Lord and savior. It's the only response we can have. We have to respond to what God has done in Jesus, to believe it, to be changed by it. You don't believe something that significant and leave it the same. You don't encounter Jesus, the savior of the world, the one who has forgiven you for your sins and walk away the same. If you claim to have encountered Jesus, to believed it and to have believed in him, to believe the truth about who he is, you should be changed by it. There should be evidence of your life of seeking to flee from the sin for which he died and seeking to follow and obey him with our lives. In a similar way as the wise men, we should be worshiping him with our lives and giving the gift of ourselves, worshiping through the offering of ourselves and our obedience to him because of what he's done for us. We should worship God and we should give him our all. So we seek out the truth. When we encounter it, we need to respond to it. But the last thing we see, we see primarily from the shepherds. We've got to share the truth with others. The shepherds then go and tell others about what has happened. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. So the shepherds, again, follow their story. They've been told about the Savior born and laying in a manger. They go check it out. They believe it. They find it to be so. So they believe the truth about it. And they go tell people about it. Now, it doesn't really say much about the Magi. We see a different way that they respond through obedience by not returning and telling Herod about it because they, they, they were, Herod's intentions to kill Jesus were revealed, and so they go a different way to their country. But the shepherds tell others about this good news. And so if you have been told about Jesus, if you have seen the truth about Jesus, if you've responded to the truth about Jesus, you must share this truth with others. It is the greatest truth you can encounter, and we cannot keep it to ourselves. We all know the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. And that story, that song, is about the shepherds. About how as they encounter this, as they hear, as they lay keeping their sheep, 
Are, go tell it on the mountain. Go tell of what's happened, that Jesus Christ is born. Go tell it on the mountain that the Savior of the world lived and died for the sins of whoever it is that you're talking to. You need to go and proclaim the truth of what God has done. Proclaim the forgiveness of sins available. Proclaim God's love for people. Proclaim their need to repent and to follow him and their need to do the same. We have to go, we have to spread the word about what God has done. We must be people who go and tell. You know, this time of year, it kind of always happens, although I don't feel like I've heard about it as much this year. But there's always some sort of commentary. Maybe it's because I don't watch as much TV as I used to. There's always commentary this time of year of the attacks on Christmas. And I would agree this happens, right? Instead of hearing Merry Christmas, many times you'll hear Happy Holidays. And, and you'll see places that maybe used to have some religious imagery on a coffee cup that no longer have religious imagery on a coffee cup and all of these de-Christifying Christmas. And then you hear people, you know, keep the Christ in Christmas and all of these different um, efforts to remember the reason for the season. Now, as, as a Christian, we absolutely need to do that. But I want us to consider what the problem is. Why are people de-Christifying Christmas? Why are people taking Christ out? Why are they saying happy holidays? Why are they doing these things? They don't know who Jesus is. People in our world don't know who Jesus is. Maybe they have not been told. There are so many people that have not been told who Jesus is. They've never heard the name Jesus. The, the IMB, a part of it, and, and I apologize, I don't have the number, but there are, I believe, thousands of unreached people groups. Do you know what that means? They don't know who Jesus is. They've not heard this story before. We've got to go tell those people. In our nation, there are people, children that are, they get all the way in and through elementary school that don't know who Jesus is. They've seen crosses, they've seen crucifixes, they've seen pictures of Jesus, but they don't know who he is. They don't know what it's all about. They'd have never heard this story. So even in our own nation, we have people that don't know who Jesus is. They don't know the story. But then there's people that have heard this story and they have not listened. It'd be like the shepherds hearing the story of the Savior born to them and they just stay in their fields. It's like the magi who hear this or see this star, like, wow, that seems to be a big deal. I'm just gonna stay here. There's people who've heard and not listened. And there's people who've heard and they've seen, but they didn't believe it. Be like the shepherds go and be like, that baby? You're telling me that baby's the savior? I kind of thought there'd be like a glowing aura around him or something. Maybe, you know, he seems to be crying. I didn't think the savior of the world would cry, you know? His mom seems kind of young. His dad seems like he's a little confused. I don't, is this the savior? They, they hear, they go and see, but they don't believe the Magi, they come, they see, oh, I'm gonna take my gold back with me. I kind of think I might need it. And there's all kinds of people like that. You know people in your life like that. There's people who maybe hear and see and they claim to believe and you gotta wonder, do they? Oh yeah, I saw Jesus. Yeah, I, yeah he's, he's kind of cool. That's not the response to encountering the King of, King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who died for your sins. And so why is Christ being taken out of Christmas? Why are these attacked? Because people don't know Jesus. 
And so our concern primarily, and we all know this, is not with putting the Christ back in Christmas so people will say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays, but our primary concern today and every day must be that people will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That every day they celebrate his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and the eternity they will spend with him. That's our goal, to spread the word about this good news that because this baby was born, because he lived the life we couldn't, because he paid the price we couldn't, we can have life that without him we would never have. And we can avoid punishment that is all that we deserve. But thanks be to God that he loves us, that he sent his son who died for us, but didn't remain in that tomb, but was raised again. This baby Jesus, whose birth we celebrate by giving each other lots of presents, gave us the greatest gift we could ever get, which is salvation by grace through faith alone. So this morning, as we come to this time, I want you to consider your relationship with Christ. Do you know him? Do you remember the time you heard the good news first? Maybe you don't. Maybe you've been taught the good news ever since you can remember. This morning in Sunday school, we were talking with youth about generational blessing and how both of the youth that were here today, that they have generational blessing in their life because their parents and grandparents have been faithful to the Lord and they have shared with, they've raised them in church. They've seen that blessing. Maybe you've been a part of that. You've known the Lord. You've heard about the Lord since the time you can remember. But at some point, I sure hope you responded to it. And if you responded to it, are you living like that? Is there evidence in your life? Have you left changed by your encounter with Christ? And are you spreading the word in whatever way you're able to? Are you spreading the word about this good news you found? But this morning, if you don't, if you look at your life and you've heard about Jesus you know the story about who Jesus is, but you've never encountered him. You've never responded to that. You've never allowed it to change your heart, to change your life. I would beg you and implore you today to seek after Jesus, to consider the truth of what the Bible says, the claim that it makes about who he is, because you have to respond to it. Either that he is the son of God who is the only way of salvation, or he's not. And only you can decide how you're gonna respond. But today I pray that if you haven't, you would make him your Lord and Savior. Not because of your works, not because of the belief of someone else in your family, not because of anything else that you've done that's good, but because of Jesus Christ and him alone and what he's done for you. Would you trust him today? Wherever you're at, whatever you need to do, however you need to respond to the truth of who Jesus is, I pray that during this time you would. The altar will be open if you would like to pray. I'll be down front for prayer. Respond how God leads you this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day you've given us. We thank you for this time that we can come together and we can just celebrate the truth of who you are. We can celebrate the truth of the word of God, the truth of the birth of our Savior. And Lord, through the faithfulness of the shepherds, and the wise men, Lord, the, the humble that you exalt by being the first to see the, the, the born Savior and the, the proud wise men who humble themselves before you, Lord. I just pray, praise you that in this we have a picture of the gospel, 
the humble exalted and the proud brought low. And I, I pray that today you would help us to respond appropriately, that you would exalt those who are lowly in spirit, help them to know your love for them, that you do love them, that they are not too far gone. They have not sinned too much, that you can forgive them, that you love them, that they are why Christ came and why Christ died. And Father, I pray that if we have any pride or arrogance in our hearts, you would humble us and help us to bow and worship you and give us and give you all that we have. God, I pray that if anyone does not know you this morning, that today they would turn to you for the first time. I pray that you would help us to be faithful in responding. You would uphold us with a willing spirit that you would enable us by the power of your Holy Spirit to be obedient to you. And God, I pray that we would be a people who spread the word, who share this good news with all that we were able to. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us, that you'll convict us, that you'll challenge us to respond to your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand this morning? We hope this sermon has been a blessing to you today. If you have any questions about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you through our church Facebook page, email, or by calling the church office.